Before we start today's podcast, a quick heads up on Sheerlux's VIP club. From restaurants, bars and hotels to beauty, wellness and shopping, Sheerlux partners with some of London's best destinations and hottest brands to bring its VIPs exclusive monthly offers. So why not sign up? It'll cost you just £5 a month or £50 for the year. Use your card once or twice and you'll have made that amount back in no time. For more information, visit sheerluxvip.com. Welcome to the Sheerlux Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Lou Huff, Rosie Charrington and Georgina Blasky. Hi, everyone. Hi. Happy Monday. How amazing is this weather, first of all? Absolutely incredible. And I think it's like here to stay for a while. It's, it's, I don't remember ever such a sustained period of glorious weather. It's been like the perfect summer already. Yes. It's only still June. It might mean we have a dreadful July and August, though. Don't That's say that. You're going to jinx it now. Sorry. Top <laughs> okay, moving on. What has everybody been up to this weekend? I watched The Fund. Has anyone seen it? There's a new series on Netflix, which is about the Vogue Fashion Fund as part of the CFDA Awards. It's actually from the 2014 edition, but it's really interesting. I think there's six parts to it, and I'm three episodes in. So it goes through the whole process of them selecting the different designers that are going to be shortlisted, then go through the shortlist process, and then there's ten designers that then they have like a board who then they go and do studio visits for. They have design tasks the one I watched last night they had to design something for Uniqlo that was sort of in keeping with their own brand vision and then obviously the Uniqlo guide and it's really interesting like Anna Wintour is obviously heading it up then Jenna Lyons the founder of Theory the two founders of Red and Bone and some amazing designers have come from it so like Baronza Schuller Alexander Wang and it's really interesting I think to see how Anna Wintour has an effect on everyone like she walks into the room and it's like rippled it's amazing Amazing. It's like that bit in The Devil Wears Prada yeah. where Miranda Priestley can determine how successful a collection yeah. will be just from like a blink or a smile or whatever. Yeah, like, and it's genuinely true about her. Isn't and it? she goes into their studio and she's just like silently like going through the rails. Oh my god, the nerves! The nerves! And then she'll pick up on one thing and she like there's something about snakeskin. And then as soon as she left, they were like, "Let's do the snakeskin." <laughs> <laughs> but it's really, really interesting. I'm really enjoying it. So definitely one, cool. two, one and that's on out. Netflix. It's on Netflix. Yeah. And remind everybody what it actually means to win the award. So they went three. $300,000 and a mentorship from one of the people that are on the board. So it's an amazing opportunity for brands to sort of catapult themselves into this fashion career. And it's not that they're under the radar designers, they're all brands that we would heard of. So in the one I'm watching, there's Misha Nonu, Veronica Beard, Tome, but I think it just kind of excels them to the next level of their career. So it's a really interesting watch if you're into wow. fashion documentaries. Yeah. On the back of Netflix, I don't know if any of you have watched The Staircase. Um, I actually first watched this when it was on the BBC because it's quite old I think maybe the early 2000s but they've just released it on Netflix and got three brand new episodes up to date ones um, have any of you seen it? No but I have read all the rhetoric about it you and have. I'm really excited Yeah I've heard a lot so, of people yeah, talking yeah. about yeah. it So I don't know anything about it What's it about? So this really successful American author called Michael Peterson his wife died under very mysterious circumstances and he claims that he was just outside in the garden kind of having a cigarette and he came back in and she'd fallen down the staircase hence the name and is so strange all the circumstances in her death are really weird I don't 
don't want to give away too many spoilers, but their marriage wasn't as perfect oh. as it seemed on Is the it surface. Day? No, the new episodes are present day. There's three new ones, but this is kind of around the case, the court case and the oh. actual murder. Is this fiction or did oh, this no, actually this happen? Oh no, this actually happened. And it was quite a number of years ago that the case actually happened, yes. right? And I think he was originally acquitted of the crime, but people didn't buy it, hence why they're still looking into it. But I think the funniest things are all the theories that his legal team put forward. This isn't a spoiler, although it is a funny bit in the series. One of which is they claimed an owl did it. I had this because she had like a feather what? or something on her, right? When yeah, it was just did absolutely... Did find an owl in the house? No, <laughs> but they just couldn't explain it because it was so weird. And all this stuff comes up about, about his past and there's another murder or mysterious death in his past. Oh, it's it's oh. absolutely fascinating. And me and my housemate have had so many debates about this. Oh, how interesting. Um, I, the original documentary, because they made it with his permission and because he had been acquitted there's all the legal thing of they can't implicate that he did it so I watched the original documentary was kind of convinced he didn't then watched an episode I don't know if you watch Forensic Files it's my guilty pleasure also Mm -hmm. on Netflix watched the Forensic Files episode and they looked at more of the hard facts of the case and I was like he must have done it he must have done but I mean the jury is out literally and is there a conclusion do we know does the latest series wrap it up or are we still not sure I'm not going to spoil it but everyone should watch it how many parts is it there's a lot of parts yeah, it's it's it. and, and is it an hour every time like it's very intensive like it does drag on but I think because it's so fascinating everybody mm. says it's like better than making a murderer better mm. than yeah. serial and then also Love Island but I've got to say I mean I have watched every episode bar one I'm just not really enjoying it as much this season no. no other than Danny and Jack I don't really like that many of the contestants they're official now aren't they they're official that was really cute that was yeah. cute but I just feel like there's the same formula whenever someone comes in they go on the same type of dates they ask the same type of questions and nothing's really happening mm-hmm. I did feel like last year was very organic like they weren't in it really to like make loads of money or to yeah. become really famous they were genuine in their behaviour whereas this year it feels like even if they do genuinely think they're in there to meet somebody the way they behave yeah. feels way more orchestrated yeah. it's and like, like they're trying to mirror now they, do, yeah. now they know how successful they could be yeah. Yeah. they're definitely all playing and it. it's like they've watched reactions they've watched how they are like in the diary of they call it the diary yeah and play up to that a bit more and I don't know I'm not enjoying it as much and the thing is I do love it I do really enjoy it but I was at my parents a week and a half ago and they're in their mid-50s and we flicked it on because it was a Friday night and watching it with some sensible older people yeah. did make me really embarrassed that yeah. I watched this like <laughs> insanely vacuous it was like a particularly vacuous moment <laughs> of people being like yeah, no, but... Yeah. Kind of, you know, it was like a real low point. And I hadn't even doubted it before, but having watched it and watching my parents' faces yeah. of like, how is our daughter doing this? I think it is a, a bit... I think it is a bromance. I think it's missing a Kim and Chris. Yeah, yeah it is. I really I do. I think they're gonna, though, bring in exes. I yeah. think that's the next step. that's just like, it's gonna be Jack's ex, I think. And I yeah. really think those two genuinely like each other and I hope that doesn't ruin it. And I know that's probably great action for the producers, but it's just feels really mean and again it makes it more of a kind of convoluted TV show exactly like, like X on the beach exactly. yeah. mixed yeah. up I also hear rumours they're in talks with Dane Bowers because what? because he dated Laura yes right? I mean oh. a career reviving moment definitely but do we want to see Dane Bowers with oh. a show oh, I feel like we're probably over Dane Bowers <laughs> yeah a long time yeah. ago yeah. well the weather's really nice this week so I feel like this might be my time to shut off there are some more there are some more girls coming in I think very okay. soon this week so well see when I don't watch it I do miss it like I was away this weekend and I feel like I haven't caught up with but my, you'll watch it and then you'll think oh I literally I missed, missed nothing. nothing it's true 
Surely it's the kind of thing you can miss a week, pop back in, and yeah. it's. I, do, I feel like you know, even in the gaps. You don't get invested when you don't watch it, um, and you stop caring about them, and then it does lose. Maybe that's what we yeah. need. I'd be interested <laughs> to know what their ratings are versus last year. I think it would be massive. I reckon they started off massive, and now. Yeah, yeah. and it yeah. just kind of peaked off. And also with the World Cup, you're going to lose a lot of people. But with I that. don't know anyone who's actually yet said, I'm not watching it anymore. So I think maybe we'll give another week or so, yeah. we'll come back and see if we know people who've actually ducked out. Mm. Well, I, as I say, I was away this weekend. So didn't have time to watch much, but I did read a book called Little Fires Everywhere. It's by Celeste Ng, who is an American author, and it was a really big book. Last year, I didn't get around to reading it. It's a kind of domestic drama set in an American kind of gated community in the 1990s. And somebody asked me what it was about, and you know those books where it's just kind of quite hard to describe what it's really about. Mm. It's just about kind of familial dramas and mother-daughter relationships. But it's just written really beautifully. It's a really good story, and I know Reese Witherspoon has just picked it up uh, to make a film out of it. So, yeah, I really, really recommend it. If you're somebody like me who likes something, you know, you can get your teeth into on holiday, but that isn't like a trashy poolside read, yeah. I recommend this one. In our household, we've come across a magazine which I think's had a few issues out now called Teen Breathe. It's brilliant if for any mothers of daughters around. It tackles issues to do with low self-esteem and confidence, anxiety, but it's just done in a really gentle, friendly, approachable way with lots of practical tips. It's beautifully illustrated and it's just a great one to sit on the sofa at the end of a busy day and escape into. And it has stories and it's just really lovely and really different from anything out there. And actually there's no photography and I think that makes it lovely because yeah. it means that you're not comparing yourself. You can't really compare yourself to a pencil drawing in the yeah. way that you might to a photograph of somebody else. So, And is for, it aimed for the daughters to read or for the parents? No, it's aimed for daughters. It's okay. aimed for, for teenage girls. Mine's 12, but she still really enjoys it and just gets certain bits out of it. So you can get it in, I think we bought it in Waitrose, but you can get it in supermarkets and online. And they've got a really sweet Instagram account as well. It's called Teen Breeze. Teen Breathe. I think there's actually an adult version called Breathe, but I think the Teen Breathe's good because, you know, get them in early on yeah. all these self-help yeah. tips. Is it kind of ways for adults to explain to their daughters, you know, is it kind of handy tips for parents as well? Or is it more just putting things in a way that they can relate to and they can understand? It's the latter. It's putting mm-hmm. things in a way that teenagers can relate to that they want to read about. And the features are quite, they're not necessarily quite short, but they're broken down into panels and bullet points and sort of practical exercises you can do, whether it's mindfulness or or other things so it's actually just a really gentle lovely antidote to the social media onslaught that I think means that lots of young women just don't really know where to turn to it's fine to have the odd mantra or affirmation on Instagram but when you need a bit more than that but you don't yeah. want to have a whole book mm-hmm. this is just a really good kind of toe in the water introduction to lots of things and also it just means that you open up a conversation so even if you just have something lying open you've got a daughter who might be getting stressed about a friendship or exams or something you don't have to go oh I can see you're really upset about this yeah. shall we have a chats you can just leave it open and hope that might trigger something in a more organic way so it's a good one you know how certain things could just really stay with you for no reason or other I was remembering this weekend it was either a Miz or a girl talk that I read I must have been about 10 or 11 on holiday and it was tips for looking thinner on the beach like not for like losing weight but like angles to lie at to make yourself <laughs> oh look my thinner. god and like I always remember about propping yourself up on your elbows so your stomach looked more flat oh like god. this kind of thing. but you know that was the rhetoric those days yeah, and I just yeah. I would love to read one of those magazines now from back when we were younger and see the kind of change in in the way we speak to young people because I think as you say we'd all have been a bit better off with that kind of thing I actually Mm. saw on Instagram over the weekend a blogger that I follow she'd done a post with a picture of herself where she's sort of all crumpled over in her bikini and like you know she's got lines on her stomach and cellulite and stuff and she said please don't believe that angles
reels that you see on our main page because everything is curated and we pose in a certain way and we edit ourselves into a certain light but we're real like everybody else as well and it was like half amazing because I thought okay that's great you're highlighting that but then also you do show yourself in this other light yeah, as well. Yeah, I do it. Yeah. So it was an interesting conversation, I think, mm. to yeah. I've to seen quite a few fitness bloggers are doing that now. I think it's really great. Like side-by-side ones, like this is the final yeah. shot and this is what it looks yeah. like on pose. And yeah. it is crazy because you do just see these images and think, even ones that aren't edited, yeah. the pose, the lighting, mm-hmm. everything yeah. that goes into it. I love seeing that with fitness bloggers when they stand up straight or then they don't. And yeah. you see the difference. But yeah. like I'm 27 and I know I'm so susceptible to feeling under pressure from those images on Instagram. So I can't even begin to imagine what it's yeah. like if you're a teenager now Completely. And, and how it makes you yeah. feel. Is your daughter on Instagram? Yeah. yeah, she is. She's on Instagram and I just sort of look through who she's following and what they're posting and actually she's pretty savvy. I think the advantage for her generation over maybe people who are only six, seven or eight years older is that they are taught in school what you're seeing is not real. Oh, and it's really? on top of it now. Yeah, really, really on wow. top of it. Yeah. And they have lessons on how to spot fake news online, loads of stuff. And I think their eyes are so much more open than perhaps people only eight or ten years above who just yeah. it was too new and the schools yeah. didn't really know what to do and how to prepare people for what was coming because they just had no idea but coming back to your Ms. feature I can't help think that some Love Island contestants are using those yeah. <laughs> using probably their poses and angles they must have read the same feature <laughs> whenever we talk about books and TV and film on the podcast usually it's for me it's because I've consumed them on my commute we wrote a feature with 12 top commuting hacks you need to know and it featured everything from securing a seat to joining a digital book club as ways to make your commute that little bit easier Rosie I know you schlap in from afar I do what do you do all the way from Eastland exactly to (laughs) ease the pain my favourite thing has been podcasts I just think they're great and Spotify I didn't have Spotify for ages because I didn't want to pay the subscription fee because I'm terrible (laughs) but they have really great deals mm-hmm. I think around Christmas I got three months for 99p a month wow. and now I've got three months for a tenner can I just tell you that I have a Vodafone phone account and they pay for your Spotify <gasps> so my Spotify is free I was offered Apple yeah. Music for yeah. free but don't like it as much no. but I've just learned I'm so behind on the times I've learned that you can download playlists which has made my commute a lot more fun recently. I feel like in the winter, I'm not really into listening to music, but when it's the sun's out, I'm like, yeah, yeah. completely agree. Yeah. It gets me pumped for my day as well. I feel like sassy when I'm walking to the yeah. office. Really good. <laughs> God, yeah, it makes a big difference. Yeah, exactly. And my favourite tip here is do your makeup. This is a bit <laughs> of a controversial subject. Um, me and Tor, beauty editor, wrote an opinion piece where we had a debate about this. She was very anti it, but I'm very pro it. I mean, I just can't be bothered to get up 10 minutes earlier to do my makeup when I am sitting down pretty much for an hour and a half doesn't make sense I mean it does sometimes get weird looks and I have accidentally <laughs> spilt powder on a man's suit oh, no. <laughs> don't use loose powder it's my top <laughs> I've learned my lesson from that but so yeah. do you take wipes or something with you to clean your hands I was worried if I do my makeup yeah. on the run that I'm going to have like disgusting hands I just don't touch anything on the tube but I do have anti-back yeah. hand gel but I try not to touch anything and then touch my face um, I think if you're using brushes anyway oh, you're yeah, not okay. actually oh, you go full on oh, like, with the brushes on. when I commuted from Brighton for a bit and you actually get a big table I once spread out my whole oh my god! I got a round of applause at the end <laughs> I'm not joking that's amazing that's, that's everything actually I would love to watch and actually on my commute I'm either really into a podcast or I just love people watching I love like, watching I it. see the same people obviously on the journey every day and it's really interesting like just kind of following them and, and I love like listening into conversations it's actually one of these points is be nice but I had one journey recently where a lady got on and she was 
was obviously having real issues with her affairs and she couldn't, she didn't have the money and she had two kids and when they were screaming and screaming and screaming at each other, it resulted in a huge argument and then this lady went up to her and gave her £20 Aww. and then she burst into tears and so I was like welling up. It was just like it's such an emotional, emotional rollercoaster. Yeah. It was like watching a TV show before it even got to work. <laughs> but yeah, those are my two things. Being nice, I think, is important. Like you get so many really angry people, especially like trying to get on the tube people are brutal mm. but I think yeah trying to rise above it and not make tube enemies because you know those people that elbow you and the whole yeah. rest of the time you're like well, I'm gonna fucking elbow you back and it does kind of affect the rest of your day like if you start yeah. off with something really aggressive or mm. really like negative mm. it really affects you I think I, I try not to be one of those really angry well I just find a lot of people's behaviour on the train incredibly irritating so like people who don't move down people who pick up their rucksacks and swing them into oh, your God. face I mean I have like a never ending list of things that drive me mad people who talk on the phone I take the overground a lot and people on the phone That's on me. the train I hate you Honestly, <laughs> I find it so rude. I can't even begin to describe it's how rude I find it. It's the best time for a catch-up yeah, show. Yeah. I do want to listen to it. I have noise-cancelling headphones, and they still do not get rid of the noise of people talking on the phone. Like I don't want to hear it once. And would you say something to someone? No, but I do a lot. Oh, yeah. And I look at them, and I, with this face, you can't see it as a podcast, I try to express my... It was a scary face. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, <laughs> I, and I often... Don't with Charlotte. Often as well, if somebody calls me, I'll say very loudly, I'm actually on the train, and I find it very rude when people speak on the train. <laughs> So I'll call you back. Charles, it really brutal. Yeah. But I also do have a long commute. And one of the tips on this piece was to make your own coffee. But And I don't disagree with that. But I also just think having a fun beverage like on your it commute makes make a better. difference. You buy like a juice or you buy your latte. Like I know we should all be buying less coffee or whatever. But it is the little things. That it is. I, it's the bit I look forward to. I'm like, my journey is in two parts. And when I get to Waterloo, then I'm like, okay, now I get exactly. my coffee. It really does make your morning better. 100%. In terms of bad behaviour on the commute... The story about the woman giving the other lady £20, I think it really highlights that you just never know what someone's backstory is before you see them. So I think if you can just be on the train and be non-judgmental and know that someone could have just had something awful happen to them in the two hours before they get on the train. And obviously some people elbow down the carriage because they're just mean and rude. And other people have just had a really bad time and you don't know. And I think if you can have an open mind and try and be as tolerant as possible, then you just feel better when you step off the train and carry on your day because it can really overshadow it. What I used to do when I was getting on at Clapham South and had to let loads of trains go by and it was all very smelly and hot this time of year, i take something really nice to smell. Ooh, because really the smell idea. of other people in the summer oh, on God. the underground is yeah. just so rank, I can't bear it. Yeah, so just something nice to smell in your pocket, just to hold up. Yeah, yeah I actually do the same. I, even in winter, I spray some perfume onto a scarf and that way you can like, bury your face in it. And that's much more bearable. I feel actually this week is going to be some real stinkers mm. on the tube. That's so what the overground is, is great. Yeah. 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 I use this thing called Demamiel Altitude Oil in winter. It's for use on planes, but you can use it on the tube. You like put a few drops onto a hanky or a tissue and sniff it, and it also has antimicrobial and bacterial properties. So when people are ill and you kind of smell it, apparently it kind of kills stuff. I've heard about that. You're supposed to put like tea tree oil and stuff in your nostrils. Yeah. Also just carrying a fan. I got a fan (laughs) giving you a (laughs) (laughs) electric fan. Like like an old-fashioned one. I got one at a wedding in New York last summer and it was so beautiful and so pretty and I just 
carried it in my bag and it was incredibly useful so a lady was doing that on the train next to me and you tried day. to get her behind it it just made no it was the opposite it was so annoying it's like <laughs> trying to watch something and all you can see in the side of my you know in my line of vision was this van flapping up and down and I don't have a very high tolerance oh, I mean, no, you guys I'm picking that up you guys well, I do it quite gracefully and I feel like people try and get quite close to me yeah, so they can feel the repercussions of you guys it. on the tubes are extra fanning <laughs> spritzing your perfume so your mum spreads their makeup can I just say public service announcement to men on the tube and this is not man spreading this is the new thing the fucking backpacks I'm oh, sorry backpacks. take off your backpack just take it off there's a room for another person and also when you're sitting down and this is never women it's always men I feel like they haven't carried bags for as long so they're like not really aware of the space, the, space. space. Yeah. the amount of times I've had to like dodge back to avoid a backpack to the face when some guy Turns and it, it's not just that it's then they get even if they have taken it off when they get off the tube they then go to put it back on their oh, back yeah, yeah. nobody looks behind them they just pick it up and swing. they swing mm-hmm. it and the exactly the same as you the amount of times I've nearly been like <laughs> whacked in the face I will probably tap somebody on the shoulder one day yeah mm-hmm. and actually while we're doing the public service announcement <laughs> please look out for kids on the tube if you're putting a backpack on because you can actually oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. just one other thing that this piece did also say to tune into a podcast but I'm also a massive fan of Audible Georgina I know we've talked about this before yeah but downloading books is also another good way to consume some media whilst not being kind of too engrossed and unaware of your surroundings yeah especially if you get travel sick oh I read. get travel sick can't read anything even if I read like a text mm, so I'm a bit like yeah I can't read like yeah, yeah. On the, tube. on the tube tube I'm fine but bus I can't anything bus car can't use my phone which is a good thing actually yeah it is it makes mm. you stop only yeah. time I can't summer is finally here and even if you don't have a full week booked there are still plenty of places in Europe you can go for a quick weekend away we were at a piece with five cities that were perfect for a summer break from Lisbon to Amsterdam to Seville I want to know where is on your guys hit list for a quick trip this summer Georgina Well, actually, we already went last summer to Copenhagen because I'm half Danish. And so we had some family there. But actually, it's just the best city to walk around. The centre is tiny. So you can fly in and I think it's something like 20 minutes and you're right in the middle. And you've just got everything you could want. You've got beautiful cafes by the canal. You've got the coast, 10 minutes in a cab away, sandy beaches. And then you've obviously got all the amazing Danish brands and the gorgeous shops. Fantastic for interiors. And I just love the food, the open sandwiches, obviously. Oh, it looks amazing. It's just so pretty. And also the Danes, I think, of almost any other nationality have the same sense of humour as the Brits. So you get all the kind of the banter and they're kind of really relaxed. So I would definitely recommend that as a summer break. Yeah, Copenhagen's really high on my list. I'm desperate to go to Noma though, which has just reopened. So I'm quite tempted to just book a date, any date, whatever yeah. date I can get. I and then just build will... Copenhagen yeah. around it. Yeah. I've always thought either there or Stockholm. And actually I did my first interview. Instagram poll a few weeks ago um, <laughs> with which of those two cities to go hey, to what, 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 and what? Copenhagen won so I've spoken about some podcasts before but I went to Stockholm earlier in the year for a weekend and I loved it but it only kind of ignited my yeah. desire to go to Copenhagen even more because I feel like it's even more yeah. scandy but I think you have to go in the summer or something because the daylight hours are very short yeah. I think in the winter and did you find it incredibly expensive I think if you live in London, yeah. which is just so it's expensive. Yeah. Everyone I find, everyone always goes, oh, you go here and the restaurants are so expensive and the cabs are so expensive. And I always come away thinking, well, it's the same in London, yeah, same thing. I think they have a lot of added value because everything is just so lovely. I don't mind paying if it's good. Yeah. It's when you're paying and you feel you're being ripped off totally. just because you're in a yeah. tourist trap and you don't get that there. Okay. And everywhere you go to, 
the Danes are there too. It's not like tourist hotspots at the museums. You walk around and it's just full of people enjoying what their city yeah. has on offer. So I didn't feel ripped off, but it's definitely not a cheapie. Rosie, well, where else is on your hit list? Well, I really want to go to Amsterdam now that the Eurostar goes there. Yes, although you do have to change trains on the way home. Oh, you do? Mm. Oh, that's a bit annoying. There's this hotel that Maya from the team stayed at called the Kimpton DeWitt, and it looks so insanely beautiful. I really want to stay there. She also went to this really cool restaurant bar called Mama Kelly, which basically is like sketch, but in Amsterdam. It's a bit far out the centre, but I've never been, and I'm going to make a pilgrimage to get some Insta photos. Mm, Very grammable. In this piece, we said that another place to stay in Amsterdam was the Sir Adam Hotel. I've actually stayed at the Sister Hotel, which is the Sir Albert, which is in an area called, I think it's pronounced De Pip, it's spelled P-I-J-P. And it's literally the coolest chain. Like, so that area in itself is amazing. Like, so good for brunch places, a little bit further out from the city. But yeah, I would definitely be checking out the Sir Adam because we love the Sir Albert. Lou, what about you? So, Lisbon and Seville are top of my my list to go to. I've wanted to go to them for ages. But another one that's not on here that I wanted to give a shout out to is Antwerp. I went with my dad a couple of years ago and I was kind of a bit like, oh, right, why are we going to Antwerp? I'd much rather go to Paris. But actually, I was so impressed with it. It's such a beautiful city. They've got a really incredible food culture scene. The shopping was incredible and like really unique stores. It's not like, you know, you're going like there's like H&M and everything that you already have in London. Really unique concept stores. And I really recommend it. And not too expensive as well for a European city break. So definitely one to check out if anyone hasn't been. Is it quite big for stag juice or not mm. in Antwerp? I don't know. They obviously have quite a big beer scene. It topped a list of one of the top 10 cocaine consumption cities in the world. Did it? Really? Yeah, and I was like, stag juice. Oh, yeah. London didn't even make it on, shockingly. But Antwerp did. Interesting. I think the problem though with lots of European cities, I find, is you walk around and it's the same shops. So like you were just saying about the concept stores being really interesting I'm so sick of. I was in Paris obviously the thing with Paris I'm going to name these makes now like Sandro and Marge yeah. they're okay they're French but they're on every high street yeah. so before I go to Paris and go wow there's a Marge there's a Sandro this is really exciting whereas now it's kind of like yep and one of those up the road. And it's also not cheaper anymore. So, no. so I went to Paris a few weeks ago. A week before, I was like, well, I'm going to save myself. I'm not going to go into, yeah. you know, Claudie or Marjorie or whatever. But I got there and the prices are exactly the same. It's not even worth trying to shop in Paris, really, no. is it? The irony when I was in Paris two weeks ago was that actually they had these pre-sales in London already with 20 to 50% oh, no. off oh, so and all the shops there. there not there so I thought this oh, is funny. just really bizarre because this has completely sat the fire yeah. out of my whole experience well if you do want somewhere that is completely different and full of independent places Tel Aviv is the place that I know I bang on about on the podcast all the time but it's just so underrated as an amazing amazing destination for a quick weekend trip it's a little bit further than all of these places it's about a four to five hour flight but you can absolutely do it in kind of two or three days and it's just the most vibrant fun buzzy city ever I mean of anywhere I've ever been in Europe and the food scene is literally the best in Europe I promise you I, I defy anyone to contest that so yeah more people should be checking out Televib. Do you have any good hotel recommendations? So many. I will be doing a Televib guide Ooh, for Watch It Up. So watch that. this space. Mm. In the wake of the recent sexual harassment allegations that have plagued every professional industry, from finance to academia to Hollywood, the importance of whisper networks for female victims have also made it into the spotlight. 
But what exactly is a whisper network? Well, it's a way for women to privately warn one another away from serial assaulters. This includes the women of UK politics creating a WhatsApp group highlighting the male politicians who had harassed or abused them and the shitty media men, a Google spreadsheet with a list of 70 names of alleged sexual harassers in the New York media and publishing world. My question is, has this gone too far? The piece we wrote says that because whisper networks have so far been informal, there's not yet an adequate system in place for collating the information provided by women and no straight route to justice. So when shitty media men was made public, many pointed out that the list was flawed, it was never meant to be made public, and it hadn't taken into account the fact that these names could be used in an investigation one day. There were no timestamps, no encryptions, and no proper details. Rosie, where do you stand on this? I mean, they have been around forever. I mean, even if it's just like women talking to each other, you know, after work, like stay away from that guy. I think they've always been around in some shape or form. I think they're always going to be around. I think as people were saying after shitty media men, the danger becomes what happens when they were made public. So this woman posted it anonymously. She was a journalist. She since came forward because after it went live, it was only online, I think for a few hours. Once she realized all the fuss that was coming around it, she took it down. But by that point, um, some of the big publications had traced who she was threatened to out her, so she came out publicly. She knew she was getting death threats and all this stuff, so I think it's very much changed now that we're in a digital world. A whisper network isn't informal and it isn't private when you can be traced, and I think that's the danger of them now. I think, obviously, they're hugely important, but how can it be done in a way that's safe? Mm. There is this amazing new app, though, called Callisto. I think it was inspired a few years ago at a lot of campuses in America. Students were going in the girls' bathroom and writing down the names of guys that they should stay away from. It's used on 12 different campuses around the US, including Stanford. So students can create an account using their uni email address, write down their account of harassment or assault, and all these records are encrypted, they can't ever be made public. Then, if another student writes down the same name of a guy, it then gives them the opportunity to kind of match with each other and then both go forward to the necessary authorities. It also lets you send your report straight to the authorities if you want or you can wait to be matched. But I think it's a really great system because obviously there is definitely strength in numbers and when more than one person has a claim, you're much more likely to be able to lead to a prosecution of some sort. But is this system ever abuse like obviously it's gonna pre-warn a lot of women of harmful men but then sometimes are people putting people forward and perhaps it's not true so for me that's the worry not Mm. so much for the safety of the women who kind of form these networks obviously that's got to be taken into account but it's also for you know we see so many men being we talked about rape a lot last week you know either being falsely accused of things or particularly on campus where lines are blurred and and you really can risk tarnishing or destroying somebody's name and reputation i mean i will say i completely disagree with that in the sense that i think people have always said that the media reports on pretty much every false rape claim that is hugely blown out proportion and if you actually look at the statistics false rape and harassment claims are no more common than false claims for any other crime it's just that the kind of systems in place don't really help people you know if someone stole your purse it's a lot easier to report that to the police. You don't really get people posting about that on social media. Mm. But I think there's a lot of fear, and especially a lot of men saying, I'm scared that this is going to happen. Anyone's life could be ruined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you actually look at the numbers, it's so small. I, I think like 4%. And that's of the claims that make it to court, which it's not even kind of representative, I don't think. 
I guess the problem is that the lack of regulation, but if you've got kind of dark under the radar behaviour going on by people, then maybe there needs to be a slightly dark under the radar response. If whisper networks are the way at the moment in this current climate that people feel able to come forward, then maybe that's just how it is at the moment until someone comes up with something better, because Mm -hmm. at the moment there really isn't another way, it would seem. Yeah, that they said there's just no straight route to justice at the moment. So people are taking whatever measures they can to protect themselves and other women. And I think it does signify a much larger problem and that needs to be addressed. But until it is, I mean, join a Western network if you need one. Leo, I'm glad you're here with us for this one. Should you go flexitarian? With almost 150,000 hashtags on Instagram and growing, Meat Free Monday is now a global phenomenon. We wrote a piece on all the different reasons why you should consider ditching animal products. Lou, remind us a bit why you're veggie so actually one of these reasons is reduce weekly shop costs so the first reason actually that i went veggie there was a big campaign about free range meat and this is like 12 years ago now and that's the main reason that i started so i was like okay i'm just gonna have free range and then i was a student at the time and i just really couldn't afford it so just over time meat just gradually came out of my diet and then over a period of time i then really didn't miss it and then i was seeing all these other benefits and it's because Become such a huge thing now and so many people are talking about the benefits that it has on yourself and the environment and like all of these things like reduce risk of heart failure heart disease cholesterol obesity cancer environmental damage like you think you know why aren't more people doing it and doing their bit and it's so much more accessible now there was a time when going to a restaurant you really felt like you were having one thing on the menu and it wasn't really what you fancied but people are so much more aware of it now and there's so many more options and it's quite like in vogue to be vegan (laughs) now it is so are you vegan or so I don't eat cheese but I never have from when I was a small child so I still eat dairy but not eating cheese again that was a problem like growing up because most vegetarian meals they just put a bit of cheese on it or you know people are uneducated and they think like okay we'll just cut out your meal with the meat and just put some cheese on your plate and that's just not a balanced diet but yeah people are so much more educated about it now and the the benefits that it has the price really is shocking like it says here last year meat prices in england rose by nine percent and they're expected to rise by a further 5.8 after brexit and free range meat apparently isn't even free range like they're allowed to say that it's free range if they let them out for a bit but really the only way that you can know if something's going to be an animal's going to be treated well if you buy it direct from a farmer or you buy properly certified organic produce again it's so expensive I don't think people can eat the amount of meat that we've been kind of brought up to expect you know you can't have cheap meat without really exploiting animals and we're eating so much meat that apparently the livestock sector is one of the most significant contributors to all the environmental problems that we have they use loads of water loads of energy so you're doing a bit for everything really if you cut it out do you know consider cutting down yeah I don't actually eat very much red meat I would quite happily go without I think very occasionally I lust after a big juicy steak and chips and I assume I must be low in iron or something it's like my body's almost crying out for a fix of it but that would be about once a month otherwise I'm not really that bothered I do like fish though but 
I have read that when you're bringing up kids, you've got to be really careful about what you cut out their diet. And I think there are something like nine amino acids, which you can't get from anything but red meat. So I often end up having red meat more because I'm feeding my family than I'm just for myself. Mm. So this might be a massive generalisation, but you know, when I'm just chatting to my friends or people in the office, I don't think girls do tend to go for the red meat as much as, as boys necessarily as well. Like I know I had a female flatmate and I know that our diets were sick. We hardly ever ate meat compared to now when I live with my boyfriend and the difference in, in the way our food shop looks and I, I'm the same as usual you know I could happily kind of go without I'm, maybe I do I, you know, sometimes I probably do go two or three weeks without touching red meat and not realising so therefore it can be you know entirely circumstantial and just down to kind of personal preference as well so would you all try going full meat free like not just no red meat would you I have done I went full on vegan but it just did not agree with me I have to stick to a low FODMAP diet because I have IBS and that's the only thing I found that helped but I didn't actually realise until I went vegan and obviously you're eating loads of kind of grains loads of pulses in order to kind of have a balanced diet when you cut out dairy and meat Mm. and my stomach was just I was in agony my doctor thought I might have Crohn's disease and then I happened to meet a friend of a friend and she said the same thing happened to her told me about the FODMAP diet And it just completely changed my life. I tend not to eat meat. I don't ever cook it at home. I'll eat it in a nice restaurant again around once a month. I'll have a steak when I'm craving one. But the rest of the time, I just eat fish um, Mm. and I do eat cheese. But it is definitely a worry for me, the kind of animal side of it. I think when I did go vegan for those two weeks, I watched a lot of documentaries. And once you've seen the things, it's very hard to forget. And I, I do feel bad when I eat cheese especially when it's not... Even with cheese? Yeah. Like, the dairy industry is just horrific. It's so horrific that it's hard to kind of find a balance between trying not to be in a lot of pain and also (laughs) not really feeling terrible about it. So what's this diet called? The FODMAP diet. It stands for something, right? Oh, you're going to make me say this. Sorry. Each letter stands for a different thing. One is like fermentable oleosaccharide. Don't make me do this. Like Google it. (laughs) Basically, mainly they're fruits and vegetables, but they have high levels of things that some people can't digest properly, so it can cause either constipation or diarrhea or stomach pain, cramping, bloating. You're supposed to cut all of them out for 12 weeks and then you introduce them because some people react oh, yeah. really badly to some and not others and combining two that maybe would be fine by themselves together, terrible. For me, the worst offenders are onions in everything, garlic, broccoli, cauliflower. If I eat those, I will be in agony for like two days. So for that was a good way for you to determine that those yes. are the things that are really yeah. bad for you. I could easily go pescatarian. I think, but giving yeah. up fish, I couldn't. I don't think I could do it. Oh, mine's the cheese, but maybe I watch these documentaries. And I need oh, an incentive to give up the cheese. But either way, I think it's incredible that there's so much more awareness of it and the benefits that it has for both yourself and the environment. So you know, however many people are doing it, it's great that it's kind of on the up. So, so yeah, it's going to be beneficial. Speaking of the nutrients that we aren't getting enough of, apparently 75% of Brits aren't getting enough magnesium, making it one of the most common nutritional deficiencies, second only to vitamin D. I actually happen to take magnesium supplements because they produce melatonin, so they kind of act as like an anti-stress mineral, so you can take one just before bedtime and it really helps you sleep. And I know that because Tor taught me that, but I don't think I otherwise would have taken magnesium. So I want to know what supplements do you guys take that other people might not know about. I take a magnesium every night. I think it's mixed with 
with some B vitamins too. It's so great for helping you go to sleep. I also find it really, really helps with water retention. You know, they say to have a bath in Epsom salts if you're feeling kind of bloated or puffy around yeah. the time of the month. And that's because it's magnesium. So it does the same oh, thing. Also, if you're getting cramps, as in like leg cramps, foot cramps, muscle cramps, that is a big sign that you're deficient in magnesium. Because when I don't take it, sometimes I wake up and like have a leg cramp. I often wake up in the night yeah. with a leg cramp. Interesting. But the foods that they're in, so in this article we've listed spinach, kale, nuts, brown rice, avocado, figs, dates, and one square of dark chocolate will contain a quarter of your daily intake. I read that and I was buzzing because I have all of those <laughs> things every day. So I'm interested to know what my magnesium levels are. So if you have four pieces of dark chocolate, does that mean you've had your daily intake? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I've had four, definitely more than four today, so I'm obviously covered. <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Any other supplements? So I take beta carotene when I go on holiday. So about a month before I go, I'll start taking it. I suffer quite badly with heat rash. So I was told years and years ago that that was something you can take to kind of help it. And it really, really does. I take one um, at breakfast and one in the evening. And it's not like fully cured it, but it's definitely been massively reduced. So I definitely recommend that to to anyone that suffers from heat rash or any sort of quickly heat. Cool, good to know, Georgina. I have a up and down relationship with supplements, I would say. I'm pretty inconsistent. I'll read something like now, I'll leave here and go, right, I'm going to go and buy my magnesium <laughs> online now. The thing I've probably taken the longest was a fish oil supplement, which has got AHAs in and it's meant to help, and omega-3 and omega-6. Because even though I eat loads of salmon and I know that's got some omegas in, it doesn't always have the other one or the balance isn't quite right. So I was taking that. But I've often found that actually, for me, I've never noticed a huge difference in any supplement I've taken. I've always just noticed more to do with what I'm eating and what I'm drinking. Mm. In terms of water, I mean, (laughs) or too much coffee and things like that. Mm -hmm. That to me seems to have a bigger impact. I did a study recently, a skincare study, taking a supplement called Gold Collagen. They sell them in boots, but they have launched a new one, which is their strongest one ever. I basically went for three months, once a month, to check the levels of collagen in my skin, to check my skin's hydration. They did it on my face and my arms. And after taking this little shot of collagen drink every day for three months, the difference was crazy. Like, there's actual statistics to show that it worked um the collagen in my skin was a lot higher it was way more hydrated and I actually really noticed a difference not just in my face but even in the skin on my body like I felt like it was kind of firmer um I also had a lot less joint pain I guess I get quite stiff sitting at a desk all day I was way less stiff too and I think that's because collagen can help your joints so I think I'm the same as you Georgina I'm so bad at taking them but because this was for the study I was like I have to do it they're gonna yeah. know they're gonna know <laughs> so I did actually take it and it worked so maybe yeah. if you're I, have to admit, I have always been a bit skeptical about the foodie ones because I, I would like to think that I can get all the nutrients that I need from the food and like the lifestyle that I have I think it'd be interesting to know how much of a difference it is and how much is it is mm. perhaps in your head or what you've been told but and also not knowing necessarily how good the supplements are because mm. there's such a variety of brands out there and you just don't really know some are more potent than others yeah and some aren't great to take at the same time I think actually sitting down with a nutritionist and really working out what yeah. I needed and the best source of that and if you should take things in the morning or the evening and all of those different factors that can impact absorption that would be really interesting yeah. because obviously there's no point buying the best and taking it at the wrong time with exactly. the wrong drink or the wrong food and it's probably going to be different for every single person and you know yeah. how your body works so I don't know if there's a kind of one size fits all for everyone 
that's it for this week. If you enjoyed that, please do rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends and we'll see you next time.